Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Monday, May the 3rd, 2021. On this edition of The Politocrat, Hooligans in England Rear their ugly, thuggish head Once again Just recap what happened. I want to bring you some scenes outside the Lowry Hotel in Manchester. The Lowry Hotel is where the team are staying. The United team are staying right now with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's where they stay ahead of every home game. These are the scenes round the corner, actually, from the Lowry. But we also have shots of them here on the right of your screen. Protesters up against the front door. Doors where the players should be coming out of to get onto that team, coach. And then, Robbie Musso, your reaction to this, please. Awful. Awful, awful scenes. I, I, I could never remember ever a group of fans have breached into a stadium. They're not in the concourse areas. They weren't allowed in the stadium. They have found a way in through doors or gates to get on the field of play. It's awful scenes, Rob. And I, I just, I can't think of any other situation. No. And this is absolutely not, not the right way to protest. And I know these, these fans are trying to get the game off, but this is pretty, pretty bad. It's such a shame, Rob, because we've gone from the support of the fans and what they were doing to where now it's a criminal offence and, and it lessens the voice of what the actual message is about ownership. We're now talking about bad criminal behaviour, not bad ownership of a football club. Yeah. And for those fans who've done so much for English football in grabbing those clubs away from the Super, Super League, we see this now and a lot of that good work's been undone. If you talk to Manchester United fans, they'll tell you this is 15, 20 years of pent-up frustration. This is since the Glazer family took over. They're all angry. But, Robbie, no. it's just not the way, is it's it not, not, to send the message? Absolutely not. Thousands outside. This story is going to evolve, Rebecca. We've seen the scenes outside. The what fans are trying to stop the players, you know, getting onto the bus, and maybe the buses get into the stadium. Is their plan to try and get this game caught off? Not the way yeah. to argue and to try and force out. It seems bad they look for English football fans yeah. who, who standing just were skyrocketed a week or two ago. Indeed, a couple of weeks ago, all fans came together, didn't they, to stop the Super League? And now we see scenes like this. That is just an excerpt from. Some of the scenes yesterday at Old Trafford in Manchester, the home of Manchester United, Old Trafford, one of the venerable football grounds in all of football, and the Theatre of Dreams, as it is called, was the Theatre of Nightmares yesterday as thugs who were claiming that they had a problem with the ownership of Manchester United invaded the stadium by breaking into it and breaking down a gate and destroying it, running onto the field of play and destroying equipment, lighting flares, trying to take down goalposts and trying to destroy the netting of the goal. That is not a protest. That is a riot. And nobody in the footage that you have heard so far and some of the footage that I'm going to play more of described any of this as a riot, which is exactly, in my view, what it was. You had these thugs. And yes, they are fans of Manchester United. I'm not going to make any distinction. You have got thugs in every football club's fan base who are violent, they just want an excuse to destroy things. 
and commit violent acts against people. And that's what you had with about 300 of the 1,000 or 2,000 or more than 2,000, maybe even 10,000 fans of Manchester United who descended upon Old Trafford yesterday, just prior to the game between Manchester United and Liverpool, which obviously was postponed yesterday, as you heard. And it was due to these thugs, these hooligans, who, some of whom were there claiming that they had a problem with the Glazers, the American owners who took over Manchester United in 2005 and now own the club, have owned it ever since then. And then decided to start to disrupt the field, get on the pitch, kick the balls around, get into the dressing rooms, violate the COVID-19 protocol, going into these areas you're not supposed to go to. You shouldn't have been inside that stadium in the first place. And my question, as these fans broke down a gate, was where were the police? It took a full hour before Greater Manchester Police came on the scene inside Old Trafford and slowly, at a leisurely pace, a leisurely pace, a leisurely pace, a leisurely stroll, before they decided to do anything about what was going on. They leisurely strolled inside the stadium and all of these thugs started running back up the steps like cockroaches as the police of Greater Manchester, all seven of them, made a leisurely stroll inside the stadium. This is just really absolutely outrageous. There were two, at least two, and you're going to hear from uh, former Arsenal footballer from the Premier League. Arsenal are uh, from North London. For those of you who aren't familiar with English football or the Premier League or anything like that, or you may hate sports or don't give a rat's either way. But for those of you who are at least listening and have a a vague interest in what I'm about to say, (laughs) which you may or may not, Arsenal Football Club are from North London. And Lee Dixon was a player for Arsenal back in the 80s and into the 90s for Arsenal, who are in the Premier League, not having a particularly good season, although they are in the Europa League semi-finals, which is a cup competition played between teams of different leagues across Europe. But my point is, is that Lee Dixon made some really good assessments about what was going on. And he was describing, as you'll hear in some audio that I'll play for you in a little while, describing that there were at least three different security breaches of Old Trafford. And he was there for part of a commentary team. He and Arlo White, who is a commentator from Leicester in the the East Midlands, And they were doing the schedule to do the commentary for United States television for NBCSN. 
of the game, live coverage of Manchester United versus Liverpool. That was scheduled for yesterday. And you will hear Lee Dixon give his assessment. And they were in their position in the commentary area, the gantry area of Old Trafford. And all of a sudden, to their immediate right, about 50 yards away, they heard this almighty sound. And they turned and they saw, boom, instantly, streams and streams of fans, people rushing in down the steps, down parapets that had been covered up because of the protocol for COVID-19 and also to protect the seats that weren't being used and to make sure that all of that was properly locked down. People walking on these areas, invading the stadium, broke into the stadium, run onto the pitch, kicking balls around. Uh, I mean, and they're all watching this, the two of them and other uh, people. And then they ran on the pitch with flares. They ran over to an area where Sky Sports of the UK was, and they were doing protests and throwing things. Someone picked up a camera tripod and threw that down and destroyed it. And, and it was just madness. Absolute rats, rioting going on. And, you know, predominantly white, overwhelmingly male. You know, 99% of that crowd were white men. There were a couple of white women there who were, I guess, I'm assuming there with their boyfriends or husbands. And they decided, oh, yeah, we're together. Let's go. Let's go up for this knees up. A knees up. Yeah, it was hardly a knees up. It was an absolute riot. And no one's going to say it. Lee Dixon didn't even say it, but he did provide some assessments. At least the reports are two breaches. He's saying at least three, maybe even four breaches of security happened at Old Trafford today, uh, yesterday rather. And, and, and what I don't understand is, where were the police? I don't understand. Why did it take them an hour to get to Old Trafford and secure that area? What a lot of people don't realize is that Old Trafford and Carrington, which is the training ground for Manchester United, had been for at least a week a scene of protests, particularly at Carrington, where the Manchester United players train. It was well known. In fact, there were protests there, I believe, Tuesday of last week, where you had a group of fans who had either broken into or been right next to Carrington and had been loudly protesting against the ownership of Manchester United, the Glazer family. Joel Glazer is one of the people involved. You know, this is the multi-billionaire family that are Americans who own Manchester United, took over Manchester United in 2005. And the fan base of Manchester United have been very unhappy, particularly the fans in and around Manchester, very unhappy with this American takeover of their club and they have been very concerned about that. Okay, they have a right to protest. They have an absolute right to do that. And their voices are being heard during the week. You had the stuff with the Super League as well on top of that before, where fans of all kinds of clubs, particularly the so-called big six clubs, Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham Hotspur and Liverpool, were all fans, all of those clubs, were against the six clubs joining this Super League. Now, fan bases around the country and the world protested that, and it led to the disbanding of this Super League that was being put into place. It was literally announced, and 
there was such backlash to that that they had to scrap it within 48 hours. If only there was such backlash to racism in football around the world, in football in England, in football in Spain, in football in various other places in the world, in Poland, in Germany, you know? In Russia, all these places where they're giving red cards to the black football players who react to the racism, not giving red cards or sufficiently strong enough fines to the white players who commit the racist acts and to the football clubs who have these players on them who are racist. And the football foundations who are giving wrist slaps to racist people in football. This is really a problem. And what I don't understand, dear listener, is how the the police in Greater Manchester did not properly deal with this. This is what really gets me. You had protests at Carrington. The manager of Manchester United, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, and every other day it's Ollie in or Ollie out. You know, that's become a running joke now on social media. Um, with the hashtag, he had to speak to the fans and listen to them so that he could hear them and and get them to vent their frustration at the Glazers and about the Glazers and deal with that and listen to that. That's part of And he's there to train the club, to do training with the football team for the games that they've got to play. It obviously, you know, they trained well on Tuesday because on Thursday they had a rout of a win over Roma in one of the Euro- the Europa League games, which saw them win 6-2. to two. So obviously the training sessions were pretty darn good last week. But the training sessions for the police in England are not. Because for the life of me, how on earth can you not be adequately prepared security-wise? First of all, as a stadium... Second of all, given the protest that had happened at Carrington just a few days before. And third of all, it's Manchester United playing Liverpool. It's only the biggest blooming rivalry in English football. It's the only the most intense rivalry in English football. But let's not make anything of that. Because no fans are presently allowed in to stadia in England in football venues. That doesn't mean that there shouldn't be some kind of security concern or heightened alert, given the fact that you already know two things the police do. One, that they were Manchester United fans at Carrington, the training ground, a boisterous lot entering the training grounds just a few days ago. That should have tipped off police in Greater Manchester. Oh, wow, this was a pretty boisterous crowd here. We should make some um, contingency plans right now for this coming Sunday's game between Manchester United and Liverpool. Because if they, those fans, were as boisterous then in Carrington on a training day, imagine what it could be like outside of Old Trafford on match day when Manchester United play Liverpool. And there's going to be team buses coming in to the stadium. 
And what if we have to deal with something like that? We should take some preventative measures. We should have a security plan. We should have a show of police out here from the offset. We should be blocking these roads off. We should be blocking off this and that so that that doesn't happen. They can have their protests, but they're not going to be able to get close to this stadium. Where were the Greater Manchester Police? That really is one of my big questions. Because if this had been a Black Lives Matter protest, and this protest yesterday happened over a weekend in which there has been social media boycotts by football clubs all across England, including in the Premier League and other organizations in the Women's Football Leagues as well. And I've joined that. I've not been on social media and I made it clear I was not going to, in solidarity, I was going to stay off social media for at least four days, five days or so. Because the social media companies aren't doing anything about racism at all online. They're not doing anything about it on their platforms. Nothing. It's just pitiful what they're doing. It's zero. They're not banning these accounts immediately. They're not. I've had to report racist incidents. And I get, well, it's not, ser- it's not serious enough to warrant them being suspended. Meanwhile, you can block them. It's like, who gets to determine whether it's serious enough or not? You or me, who is, the, who is being targeted? Or the woman who's being targeted, misogynoir, is being targeted at her? If she's a black woman, who gets to decide that? You or me? I mean, the social media company has the platform. And as I said before, there's no safe spaces on social media if you don't control and own it. Still, that is not an excuse or justification for social media companies to allow these people, these racist thugs, to get away with doing all kinds of abusive things online. Death threats, racist things, all kinds of things. And get away with that because you're not doing anything about them. But God forbid someone puts eight seconds of a pre-game walkout and you get suspended, as in the case of yours truly. Had to, my account was suspended. So this weekend, right, this weekend up until today, Monday, people, including myself, and I'm still not, I'm still not going to be on social media until tomorrow, are involved in this boycott of all social media platforms to protest the failure and the willingness of media companies, social media companies, to do nothing at all about stamping out racism on their own platforms. And this is the weekend that this protest happened against the Glazers. It was well known. Apparently, it had been known on social media for at least a week. And if there had been Black Lives Matter protests at the stadium, there at Old Trafford in Manchester, and I've been to Old Trafford before. Been there on two different, two or three different occasions. It's a it's a huge place, massive place, um, and it's a it's a it's a really big stadium, and the pitch is just immaculate. And I've taken a tour of the place. I've been in the dressing room. I've I've sat in there. I've had pictures taken in there next to Manchester United shirts. I'm not a Manchester United fan. By any show, I'm a Watford fan. I'm saying that, you know, every football fan has to go to Old Trafford for the tour. 
has to go to Anfield for the tour. Those are the two places in English football that you go to, no matter which fan of which club you are in the world. You make sure that you visit those two stadia. I've also taken a tour of Barcelona as well, by the way. But the point is, is that, and a few other grounds, but those are the main ones. You take tours of these places because these are the places where history is made, where legendary things have happened in football. But I guarantee you, had there been a Black Lives Matter protest planned for Old Trafford or even just outside Old Trafford, I'm telling you, Greater Manchester Police would have snapped to attention. That whole place would have been on lockdown. You would have had police there by the hundreds. You would have had them there in force. You would have had them not just there in force. They would have had all their riot gear on, shields, everything. As if they're prepared for a blooming war. As if they were prepared for a blooming Armageddon. And the thing is, those Black Lives Matter protesters would have been peaceful. We all know that. There may have been a few stragglers or people who are interloping or trying to be infiltrators. We saw that here in the U.S. People burning down police precincts. And we all got the reports. There were all white people doing this. But I guarantee you, you would have had a ton of greater Manchester police on scene in force. Why did it take them so long to even get to Old Trafford? Why? Say why. Why did it take them so long? Because I guarantee you, the police would have been all over that building hours before the fact if you had a Black Lives Matter protest going on and advertised for a week as this particular protest apparently was against the Glazers. And yet nothing was done. Nothing. I guess when you've got white males involved in the protest, your perspective, Greater Manchester Police, is to let them let off steam. Oh, they're just letting off steam. It's like the white guy who murdered eight people in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area. Oh, he was just having a bad day. He killed six Asian women and he killed two other people and he was just having a bad day and he was trying to sort out his sex addiction and it was just a... Pro he was having a bad day. That's what the police officer in Cherokee County in Georgia said. He was having a bad day. Just like that other Georgia cop in Cobb County, Georgia, who told that white woman five years ago, oh, remember, we only kill black people, right? Remember? But the white guy's just having a bad day, you see. Never mind, we've had, you know, they've had 16 years of discomfort and unhappiness with an American ownership and the Glazer family being from this country and they're owning Manchester United for six. They had 16 years of dissatisfaction. We've had 400 plus years of oppression and violence against us and discrimination and Jim Crow and lynchings and executions and tortures and injustice. And if we protest against any of that peacefully, we've got cops all over us. We've got cops killing us. But when white guys riot, like they did on January 6th, 
which is exactly what this yesterday reminded me of, took me back to. Except in this instance, yesterday at Old Trafford in Manchester, in England, nobody was killed. To me, there's no difference between these two things in one regard. The Blumen Stadium was breached, just like the U.S. Capitol building was breached. And the same scenario also was, where were the police? It took the police 40 or so minutes, 25 or so, whatever it was, minutes, to arrive on scene in January, on January 6th of this year, 2021. At the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. It took them 20, 25 minutes. And the police were just absolutely useless to deal with these band of white male terrorists. And you had to, uh, in, 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 that, in that stadium, this terrible thing today, yesterday, or I keep saying today, yesterday, of these white male thugs. They weren't there to protest the Glazers. I mean, come on, it's just an excuse for them to commit violent acts. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And then you hear the commentary, oh, well, what is your assessment, Arlo? Do you think, this is Rebecca Lowe, and I'll play this to you. Um, I, I have the audio of it. Uh, what do you, what's your assessment? Do you think they were in there um, committing to commit, you know, were they there because they were fans? Or do you think there were some people who were there to cause trouble? Or what do you think the overall, what's your impression? So she's giving Arlo White an opportunity to try to encapsulate what that mob, that violent mob was. Is it fans or is it mobsters, mob, mob yobos or, you know, people who are violent? And Arlo White basically said, I don't know if I have the audio for you. I can't guarantee you that I have. If I do, I'll play it. But he said... Oh, Rebecca, well, I think that, you know, we can see down here, you know, he points with his cell phone to where all the litter and all this garbage is outside, all this rubbish and litter is all over the place, trash all over the place outside a portion of the stadium. And he said, well, you know, some of them, you see the beer bottles out here and the beer cans, obviously there were people who were drinking and they were drunk. Um, and there's a minority of people who were there to commit violent acts and, and be unreasonable and take things too far. But the vast majority of people were peaceful fans and they were doing what they were doing. So it's kind of this, now let's not paint every one of these white male thugs as violent people. We don't want to paint them that way. So let me give you a chance, Arlo, to clean this up for us and make these people out to be people who are just letting off steam. Well, that's, that's how the tenor of the coverage had gone. But there's a lot of other issues. Because this now gives a lot of ammunition to conservatives and to Boris Johnson, who are championing this bill that has been a source of ongoing angst, to say the very least, protests around the country about this anti-protest bill, which if it gets passed into law in the House of Commons, will absolutely desecrate protest in England and Wales as we know it. And the basis will be, this is a disruption of the peace. And potentially speaking, because of that particular position, 
that the bill takes that allows people to have their protests stopped and police to stop the protests, they can simply say, well, as police, they can simply say, well, we find that this is a breach of the peace. Even if the protest is peaceful, they can say that. Well, this protest, what you had yesterday at Old Trafford, was anything but peaceful. And if that bill, as odious as it is, were ever to be applied, it should only be applied in situations like what we saw yesterday at Old Trafford. And not, most definitely not, to peaceful protesters of Black Lives Matter or any other protesters. In other words, the women who were peaceful, the white women who were peaceful. Because those were the, really the law. And there were some black women there too. And other women of other backgrounds who were there. And they were all peaceful. And it shouldn't be applied to them either. They were at the Sarah Everard vigil, right? Sarah Everard is the middle class white woman who was murdered. And likely by a police officer from the Metropolitan Police who is now in custody. His court date, I think, is June or July. And his trial is October. And all these police swarmed on them. The police bum-rushed. They swarmed these women who were there peacefully. They weren't committing violent acts like these peop- these white male thugs at Old Trafford. But, you know, the police bum-rushed these women who were peaceful, handcuffed them behind their backs. One of them, I've talked about this before, you know, twisted her arm behind her back, handcuffed her, put her on the ground, had a knee in her back. And she's all a five foot one or two. And they started arresting and bum rushing and, you know, tossing these women out of there. And and they were all peaceful. Oh, but, you know, you have to wait an hour plus before you get greater Manchester police to come in and quell a riot inside Old Trafford with these white male thugs running around here. Breaking up stuff. The stadium was damaged. They damaged parts of the stadium. And I saw people, like some white guy, one white guy, with his shoe off, and he was begging the steward, one of the stewards, one of the match day officials who works for the club, communicating to him, please give me my shoe because my shoe has come off. And the bloody steward picks up the shoe, tries to throw it at it once, it doesn't work, then throws it again and it what? Throws him his shoe back. Incredible. And all you saw his face all over the television set. I think these people should be arrested. They must be arrested. And when you see them walking out, the video is extraordinary. Some of the video I was watching on NBCSN yesterday, extraordinary. The police are gently patting people on the back as they're leaving the stadium. These are some of these people, the thugs. Some of them were people who were there protesting and weren't violent or weren't disruptive but they breached the stadium because they're inside the stadium so they all should be charged with criminal trespass at the very very minimum and then to see the greater Manchester police patting them on the back as if to say they're there come on out they're there I know that if that was a Black Lives Matter protest and there were black folk there they would be roughhoused out of there they would have been thrown to the ground. Come on. I mean, just look at the women that were treated with such disdain by the cops in South London. 
just a few short weeks back, a few short weeks back, a few short weeks ago that happened. In Clapham Common, you had those police bum-rushing those women. And you had Dame Cressida Dick, the only female police commissioner in the almost 200-year history of the Metropolitan Police in England, saying, I'm not resigning, I'm not resigning, I'm not resigning. Yes, it was not good what they did, but I'm not resigning. And it's a system. It's a system that allows white males to freely exercise violence. And the rest of us who are being peaceful are getting violated and murdered for being peaceful. What kind of world is that world? Firstly, we don't get to see one of the greatest rivalries in English football today. Um, the scene here right now is surreal. Um, it's virtually silent. We can still hear the police helicopter above us. Um, I think echoing the statement that was made, Lee, everybody expected a protest today. Mm-hmm. And people are perfectly within their rights to protest if they feel as strongly as they do about the way that their football club is being run. The problem starts in terms of having a game on today when the stadium is breached. Mm-hmm. And we heard that rattling sound, didn't we? We thought, just over here, in between the East Stand and the Sabobi Charlton Stand, and we thought, that sounds a bit close. And then all of a sudden, fans are pouring onto the pitch. Now, once they left, you think, well, fine, but actually not fine, because they've broken their way into the stadium. And if the game starts, who's to say the crowd wouldn't regather and they would have access to the pitch and access to the team? So you can perfectly understand why the game has been postponed to a later date. But Lee, you know, when it comes to the protests, what are your, what are your thoughts about the way the day has unfolded? Well, I, I echo your thoughts about peaceful protest. I think um, every fan has that right, and we've seen the power of the fans certainly over the last couple of weeks. But today, they it was a minority, I have to say. There was a lot of people out there uh, protesting peacefully with no problem at all but what I witnessed there was a break into a stadium twice if not three times people going down the tunnel onto the red zone onto the pitch threatening people throwing flares at the uh, the sky guys over there and then what I witnessed outside was was pretty horrific I have to say bottles being thrown at horses bottles being thrown at police trying to hold to uh, stopping them get to another gate to try and break in again on a, on a for a fourth time um, and then they were dispersed so there were there was a minority that, that took it far too far criminally and should be prosecuted and and it was it was scary I have mm. to say being here um, I was up into the box with Brian Robson I thought that was um, talking to him you know his anger at that side of the protest was was there for all to see and we talked about it upstairs uh, one of the the Manchester United legends who couldn't believe what he was seeing so I think um, you know there's a lot of reflection going on right now from everybody and I think that the way that the, the authorities here um, seem to be taken by surprise I have to say there was there was mm. going to be a protest the fact that they took them by surprise and got into the stadium on two or three occasions was just 
quite unbelievable, to be honest with you. Absolutely. From a player's perspective, Lee, look, look, they didn't, never even made it to the to the to the ground, did they? But you know, can you put your mind or you put yourself no, in the position of the players are in the room? This game was never going to happen. As right. soon as they breached the stadium, people were saying, "Oh, it's going to be delayed." It was never going to happen. They breached the red zone. Mm. Um, you know, you can't have zones and then just go. Oh, we will, we'll forget about it. There was well, a thousand people on that pitch. You know, kicking balls around, mm. playing with the the uh, pinching the the flags, etc. This game was never going to happen once that happened in my book, and it was just a matter of time before the authorities came to their uh, together and discussed that. But uh, from a player's point of view, they'd have had to re- they'd have had to eat again, they'd have had to have the pre-match meal again, mm-hmm. all the preparation would have had to go on again. This kickoff was, you know, maybe ten, eleven o'clock. They might have got it on, but it wasn't going to be. And it's it's a sad day for football, and and the fans have spoken again, but so, you know, on an unsavoury way. I'm a minority, I have to say. Thank you, Lee. Safe uh, travels home. Rebecca, will leave you from Old Trafford. And we wonder, going forward, whether the actual point of the protest will now be lost amidst the chaos that has followed since. Um, we'll send it back to you. That was Lee Dixon and Arlo White yesterday at Old Trafford after news came down that the Premier League, in consultation with Manchester United and Liverpool and the Greater Manchester Police, and the stadium owners all came to the conclusion that the football match between Manchester United and Liverpool in the Premier League was postponed and did get postponed. That match could well play today, and if it is playing today, which is very possible it could um, play today, um, then we will get a football match in and then presumably there's going to be stronger safety cordons around the stadium so that that never, ever happens again. But that assessment from Lee Dixon is absolutely right. This is absolutely right. I mean, he told you there about the fact that, you know, he's saying maybe even three security breaches, maybe four. How is that happening at Manchester United? This is the pandemic that we're all living through, struggling through, some more successful at getting through this than others, right? And there is four, if you believe Lee Dixon, who was in the stadium, he's saying at least three breaches, maybe four security breaches. And then you hear, like you heard earlier, the stadium is unsafe. They couldn't prevent or guarantee that people wouldn't come back in the stadium. They can't confirm that. They can't guarantee. The stadium is is badly damaged. That is not a protest. That's a bloody riot. And it's about time that these people who are chronicling this event in the news say so. That's a full-scale riot. I don't care that there was... Lots of people there who were peaceful. There were people who got injured. There was one police officer injured and there was another person injured. At least two people. That's the two people that I saw injured. One had stitches under his eye. I think that was the one of the police. And then someone on the floor bleeding. I mean, come on. This is just ridiculous. This is hooliganism. And it didn't ever go away, in my view. It didn't go away. It took a temporary holiday. These thugs have never even left. 
And this notion that, oh, it's just a few people. Well, maybe that's true, but that, pe- that few people managed to storm a stadium, break into the stadium. That's criminal trespass right away, straight away. And then to invade the pitch, further trespass, to light out flares and throw them around, destroy equipment, camera equipment, destroy boom microphones inside the building. That's all destruction of property. That's all violence. That's all prosecutable. And then outside, you're physically accosting the police and there's battles between the police and these so-called protesters, these thugs. That's not a protest. That is a riot. That is akin to January 6, 2021 here in the U.S. at the Capitol building, except that A, thankfully nobody was killed, and B, there were people who were able to stop this particular invasion before it got a whole lot worse. Even though they waited, it seemed, for an hour before they showed up. But just like in the situation nearly four months ago now, where you saw people inside Speaker Pelosi's office, these white male thugs sitting there with selfies of themselves, someone stole, you know, a white woman stole uh, Pelosi's laptop and is trying to get it sold to the Russians and all this nonsense. And, you know, she's been put behind bars apparently and she's being prosecuted, whatever. And someone sitting in Pelosi's office, taking selfies in her office. Same thing today, somebody in the Manchester United dressing room. How the hell did they get in the dressing room? What the hell kind of security does Manchester United have? And are the Glazers spending enough on it? And how on earth in a pandemic do you allow such lax security? And how in the hell are the Greater Manchester Police, having known of the previous protests by fans of Manchester United at the Carrington training ground just four or five days earlier, how could you not have a stronger police presence around Manchester United to, uh, with the magnitude of this game yesterday? Between Manchester United and Liverpool, the two biggest clubs in England, the two biggest rivals in English football. On a regular game day, you would have had lots of police, extra police there. Today, oh, not so much. It was just absolutely unbelievable to see these people streaming into the stadium. And you're like, where the hell did they come from? Hundreds of them running onto the pitch, kicking balls around. Stewards begging them to get out of there. You know, you you got people put in these very delicate positions because they can't get violent because if they start to get aggressive, there's going to be violence. These thuggish people are going to respond, right? These thugs are going to respond violently. And outside the stadium, clashes with police, throwing bottles at police, barricades at police, people getting injured. That's just disgusting. Football hooliganism in England has never left. And I think it's about time people start getting honest about it. You've got the visiting team buses 
that come to Liverpool getting regularly attacked, particularly on Champions League matches. Manchester City's team bus was attacked at, at, at Anfield a couple of seasons ago, two or three years ago, attacked. Red flares were thrown all over the place and that bus was surrounded by Liverpool fans, thugs, smashing the bus, banging on the bus, doing this, doing that. I don't see how anybody can say that's not thuggery and violence. And they did it just a few weeks ago when Real Madrid came to Liverpool to play their Champions League game. And that's how Real Madrid got to the semifinals of the Champions League in UEFA Cup Champions League football because Real Madrid over two legs beat Liverpool. And when Liverpool and Real Madrid played the return leg, after playing the first leg in Madrid in Spain. The Real Madrid bus was attacked. As it, you know, as it was entering the stadium to get access. The bus that was parked, the parked bus, I should say. It was parked, it was attacked. Windows had been smashed. And I'm telling you, those windows don't get smashed by themselves. And it was an attempt to rattle and intimidate those players on Real Madrid, it didn't work. But Liverpool fans have done this before. And today, uh, you know, and, and to, in today's game, this notion that hooliganism has disappeared from English football is just a joke. It's a lie that we tell ourselves or that some of these people in the game tell themselves. It's just not on to have this. And Real Madrid's bus a few weeks ago attacked by Liverpool fans thugs and what happened yesterday there's no excuse for any of this and you've got to get tougher you've got to get tougher on these people you can't just let these people go and that's the thing that's going to happen they're going to be let go they're going to be absolutely there's not going to be any follow-up to arrest them because their rationale is going to be well well they're protesting about the glazers and it's probably best to let them let off steam let them let off steam I mean, that's what the attitude is going to be, I bet you. I bet you. This is not a good look. But it's not a good look because it looks bad for English football. It's not a good look because it says everything about English society and white male violence and how it doesn't do a goddamn, good damn, goddamn thing about it. That's what it says. That's what it says about the police and how they respond to peaceful people, black folk, white women at a vigil, and they violently attack those groups. But when you've got hundreds, if not thousands of thugs, white male violent thugs, breaking into a stadium, breaking down the gates, committing a lot of, doing a lot of damage to the stadium, the stadium deemed unsafe and is damaged, police take their sweet ass time, get into Old Trafford, Greater Manchester Police strolling in, after the damage is done, strolling. It's just incredible. Police outmanned, outgunned at the U.S. Capitol building in January, January 6, 2021. Overwhelmed. Not enough police. Police don't get there for reinforcement until at least 25 minutes later, at least. Damage done. Six people killed. Predominantly, vastly white male, mostly white and male. Eh, you know, but you know, again, 
They're letting off steam. Welcome back. Now, the other component to all of this is the matter of the American ownership of Manchester United. And look, this is a trend now that's been going on for a long time. And we're seeing it in other English football clubs, particularly in the Premier League. There's also um, happening in other leagues. Ryan Reynolds, the actor, with his business partner, have uh, ha- had taken on another club that have owned and now owners of, I believe it's Wrexham Football Club in, South- in Wales. That was announced earlier this year, or late last year, I think it was earlier this year, that Ryan Reynolds, the American actor, Canadian actor, is now, uh, now owns Wrexham Football Club in Wales. So this has been going on for a long time, and it continues to. In Burnley, in England, in the Premier League, northwest of England, not far, about maybe a 45-minute uh, train ride or bus ride uh, or car drive, from Manchester, from the Liverpool area, uh, Burnley. Burnley, they're owned now by an American owner. You've got this globalization of the sport of football because it's a global sport, but you've got these global businesses, these business people, these businessmen who are corporate raiders who want to make a buck, a quick buck off a club, right? Own it, cash in on it, destroy it from the inside. We're seeing this with another American owner, Stan Kroenke. He owns Arsenal Football Club, which I mentioned earlier. And I didn't mention that he owned it earlier on tonight, today. I just said that he owns the club. I'm saying that now. I've said this in the previous episode. And he doesn't give a rat's ass about that club. It's a business investment for him. He doesn't care about the fans. He doesn't care about the football. He doesn't care about the product. He cares about making money out of the club. Making money. That's all he cares about. He has no connection to the fans. He doesn't try to. He doesn't even pretend he has a connection to the fans, nor do the Glazers at Manchester United. So there's this real issue, and there are other clubs, of billionaires coming in in this global economy, in this global culture of football, globalism, globalization, and then this, you know, football is a global sport, giving these American owners, who don't have the best interest necessarily of the supporters in hand, free reign. Liverpool have an American owner. I mean, it's just... And LeBron James is a part, owns a small stake. He's not an owner per se, but he owns a very... Well, I guess he is. But just a couple, a few shares uh, of Fenway Sports Group of Liverpool. So this is another big thing. And the other thing that's not really being talked about in all of these conversations about what happened yesterday is the system of capitalism. And what it does to people on the everyday basis. When you've got people who are just in it for the money and don't give a rat's ass about the 98 and 99% of the rest of the people who really do care about the football club. The system of capitalism has no sympathy for the vast majority. It only accentuates itself at the behest of this small minority stepping all over. The large majority, hence the Glazers, hence Stan Kroenke, you know, and I can go on and on and on. And that's what people are upset about. But again, to be ransacking a stadium, to be breaking off a gate and bum rushing the inside of a stadium and attacking it like a bunch of violent thugs that you are. That is no way to deal with the issues of what I just mentioned. That ain't going to change the structure. 
there's got to be other ways to do this. And you know there are. It's just absolutely hideous. Hideous. And let's call it what it is. That was a riot yesterday at Old Trafford. And the fact that there are pictures that have been beamed um, on satellite, on TV here in the US, and I'm sure around the world, is, is with, with police in combat with the, these thugs fighting against these police and throwing us. I mean, this is a riot. And we really should be calling it that. Welcome back. I'm going to play for you a good few minutes of what happened yesterday in terms of how it unfolded as reported and observed by NBCSN and their Premier League programming. Now, Rebecca Lowe, you will hear her voice coming up, is the lead ho- is the host of the show Premier League Live and a host of the events on the Premier League coverage that is on NBCSN and on a station called Peacock, Peacock Premium. These are all things in the United States that you can get uh, on your cable system or you pay for it separately as a streaming platform. Um, but there's that. I'm just trying to lay some background. And Rebecca Lowe, who lives in Sacramento, California, by the way, is from the UK, as are Robbie Earl and Robbie Musto, two um, people who used to play Premier League football back in the day. They have their own podcast called The Two Robbies, where they talk about football, talk about the Premier League, talk about the Champions League. And if you like that, go on over to their podcast and take a listen. But I want to just play for you some of what unfolded, as it unfolded, and how it unfolded um, yesterday. And you just have to listen to this. Roll that audio, please. Arlo, you said it was boisterous, not violent as things stand. Lots of chanting, which is interesting because we can't actually hear at the moment, but we can see them chanting. My other question to you is police. I feel like there's probably thousands of people sat across the United States asking, where are the police? Well, it's interesting, Rebecca, because we have conference calls ourselves as an NBC Sports uh, team, don't we? And we've been talking all week with our security people about what's going to happen um, this weekend outside of Old Trafford. And I'm just peering across at the supporters who are about, I don't know, 50 yards away. And, And we all talked about the fact that this was going to happen. And there have been people who have been monitoring uh, activity on social media. Obviously, we're boycotting social media this week. People in English football uh, as a stand against racism and hate uh, that is uh, that is aimed at footballers and people within the game. Um, but people monitoring it said, yeah, there's going to be something happening on Sunday. And I saw reports in the newspapers, the Manchester Evening News, that suggested upwards of 10,000 fans could be part of the protest. Now, if if that is knowledge that we're aware of, then questions seriously must be asked as to why this has been allowed to happen at the biggest football stadium, club stadium in England. It is quite remarkable. And once the fans have got in, the initial uh, invasion of the, of the stadium, they removed themselves voluntarily as, as part of what looked like an orchestrated situation. Now, these guys here at the back of the stand, now they're starting to infiltrate down the, uh, or progress down the steps again, because they're not being challenged. All we've got is one, two, three, four, five, six stewards uh, down in the corner by the corner flag, just peering up at them. 
and at the moment they're not being challenged maybe that's a sensible thing we don't want to see any any pitch battles happening inside of Old Trafford uh, but at the moment they've kind of got free reign here and mm. questions as I say Rebecca must be asked how has this been allowed to happen when everybody knew that there was going to be a sizable boisterous protest today before a big game outside of Old Trafford Free reign is exactly the word I was about to use. It looks like they're enjoying a, a lovely day out, doesn't it, at Old Trafford? There looks to be a group there heading back towards the pitch. They're posing for photos on the tarpaulin. They're filming it. They're on their phone as well. This is a major security breach apart from anything else because, as I would mentioned to you 10 or so minutes ago, Ian Collins, who runs the stadium operations at Old Trafford, is, had said that they were doing a sweep of the stadium after the first breach, when the first section of, of fans decided to enter the stadium and onto the pitch. Well, if that security sweep was happening, they're going to have to do another security sweep when they finally either get these fans out or the fans voluntarily decide to leave, which, as you say, then puts this game in doubt in terms of time because the footballs that some of those fans were kicking in the centre circle were the footballs which were supposed to be for the players to warm up. That's what the balls were out there for just if you don't yep. know about a build-up to a game some of our viewers may not know the time scale as we look there at glazer out one of the many banners involved normally the coaches arrive at least 90 minutes before the game so about 15 minutes ago the coaches should have arrived the players should be in the dressing room they come out they walk on the pitch they read the program they go back in they get changed and then they come back and warm up and I can tell you that we can't talk to Arlo any more because he is actually being told to leave the press box which makes me think that the stadium is somehow being evacuated as we're now seeing the first time a couple of stewards are taking on these Manchester United fans you have to understand as well that many stewards on match day are not trained for this. They are not supposed to be trained for stewards to talk to fans, to engage with fans, for fan interaction, especially not during a pandemic when no fans are allowed in the ground. Jeff Shreves, you're looking out there as the Sky Sports pitchside reporter. He seems to still be in the stadium, but Arlo White has gone and the whole of the Old Trafford press box has now been told to leave. As we see here, Robbie Musto, I'm going to bring you and Robbie Erlin here. As we see fans do whatever they want to do right now at Old Trafford are not being challenged. Your thoughts, please? Well, like you, Rebecca, I I'm stunned. There's no law enforcement going on here, and these fans look like they're having a day out. They can go wherever they want. This protest has turned into a, to a disgraceful behaviour now from English fans. Um, I can't believe this game can go ahead. H how can this game go ahead now? Like, a postponement, if they announce that, you know, maybe does that start to to discourage some of these fans to get involved. I don't know, but this is something that, Robert, yeah, we it's... haven't seen before. This is unprecedented, and, and it's an awful look for English football, the Premier League, uh, and the English football fan. I'm stunned and, and, and somewhat embarrassed. And listen, I understand that people protest, and they can come in their thousands, they can make noise, they can bring the banners, but do it the right way. And, and Rebecca, you just made a really interesting point about the people will see the security guys there in the hives. They're not trained to deal with these situations. They're trying to have conversations with people and, and cajole them to maybe leave the, the, the stadium because 
They don't want anything physical to start. They don't want anything physical to happen. Look at the number of people. Well, they have no support. The stewards no, have no police. Exactly. They're in danger. They, they're they're in danger. We're talking about the players. The security people are in danger. Just one quick apology to Arsenal fans. Of course, I know you want to hear the commentary of your game and you can watch the game on the right-hand side of the screens, but I'm sure you'll understand that this, these images coming into us here on NBCSN have never been seen before in English football, and that goes back many a year. Let's go to Jeff Shreves, who you saw in your picture just a few minutes ago and hear from him. Pitch side. Well, it, it, it is, without question, a massive security breach, not once, but twice. And it was well known that there were going to be protesters at the stadium today, protesters in the city centre as well. So I'm sure that plans were put in place for extra security, for extra police presence, but for whatever reason, that has not worked. As you can see, it's self-evident. There are fans, rather protesters, in the stadium right now. So how the situation is going to come to an end, I'm not entirely sure, to be frank with you. Yeah, and Jeff, just on the subject of whether the game will go ahead, as you say, your understanding is that the teams are still at their hotels and, you know, waiting for further developments. Uh, you know a lot of these guys, you interview them week in, week out. If you're a Liverpool player or a Manchester United player right now, seeing these scenes or hearing about what's been happening, I mean, will they even want to play this game? As big a game, as significant a game as it is? Players always want to play. Players will always want to play um, wherever possible. Of course, players will also want to be assured of their safety. And let's not forget, these protests are not against the players or the teams. These are about the owners of Manchester United, these particular protests. They still support their club, they still support their team as fervently as possible. They would not wish any harm whatsoever on the players, but it is possible that the bus is blocked or isn't moving or able to get here on time. That is a possibility. I don't think a player's safety would be a question mind in a, a player's mind at all. Um, but whether or not we get to that point remains to be seen. That was uh, Jeff Shreves reporting pitch out at Old Trafford. He's still at the ground for how long? We don't know, considering if you are just joining us here on NBCSN, Arlo White and Lee Dixon and the rest of our of the English press were removed from the press box. These pictures are incredible. It's been around an hour now. These are live pictures, by the way. It's been around an hour since the first group of infiltrators arrived at Old Trafford, broke, we are, are, are led to believe, broke down a gate in order to enter not only the stadium but go on to the onto the field of play. So, lots of people joining us at all different times. I'm going to recap for you exactly what has happened over the course of the past hour and a half. We saw dribs and drabs, some fans arrive before 9 Eastern, and then suddenly, look, a deluge of fans. And you can actually see in the middle of your screen, going to the right-hand side, a movement, and a movement towards the stadium. Meanwhile, across town at the Lowry Hotel, which is where Manchester United stay before every home game. This is just round the corner from the Lowry Hotel. These were the protests. Plenty of banners, as Jeff says, against the owners on the right of your screen. Fans going right up to the front doors of the Lowry Hotel, chanting and singing and screaming at those front doors. This is the breach we talked about, the first breach, when the gate was reportedly ripped off and in came hundreds upon hundreds of Manchester United fans down the seats, over the tarpaulin, down the steps, across the pitch. And we, we saw damage done as well. We saw camera tripods lifted and thrown. We saw corner flags stolen, there were fans on the back of goals as well, flares were let off. As hundreds made their way over to the corner of the ground where the Sky Sports, our colleagues at Sky Sports, there you go, there's the camera tripod being thrown by that gentleman. Damage as well, I'm being told, to several cameras at Old Trafford done by the fans and the Sky Sports platform 
where their studio is is in the corner and that's where they went over to. I'm just being told that police are now entering the stadium. There they are on the left of your screen. Not in a massive rush, but they are entering the stadium and they are heading towards, and you can see the retreating of the fans in the top right-hand corner of your screen. The fans are retreating and they are heading now, it looks to be, out. These are live pictures. Live pictures of the fans leaving the field, leaving the stands as the police, it looked to be about a dozen of them, didn't it, are entering quite calmly, entering the stadium. Of course, we don't want confrontation. We don't want violence, but the police have taken around an hour now to get there. There's actually two, four, six, at least six, maybe eight policemen who are heading towards the corner of the stadium there. We still have no news on the team coaches. I can tell you the team buses. They were supposed to have arrived around 20 minutes ago, both the Liverpool team bus and the Manchester United team bus. No sign of them yet. We just spoke to the Premier League directly. There are no plans to delay kickoff. There's no update to a new kickoff time. The game is supposed to be kicking off in a little under an hour and 10 minutes. They are moving forward, they say. Apparently, I'm being told, with plans to play the game today. Seven police officers talking to a Manchester United official about the second breach. So what you're looking at then is the second breach. This, this group of supporters came in from a different area of Old Trafford, made their way down the tarpaulin, stopping for selfies along the way, making phone calls, FaceTiming, taking pictures. They also went onto the pitch. A few stewards tried to talk to them, but these stewards not trained for this kind of interaction ultimately let them be. And for the last 20 minutes, if not more, those fans have had free reign over the corner of Old Trafford. As we see now, the seven police officers make their way up the steps at Old Trafford to ensure that these fans have left the stadium. So I'm being told that there are reports coming in from Sky that somebody was caught inside one of the dressing rooms. Don't know if it was home or away. One person inside a dressing room, a locker room, which is, by the way, a different area from where you're looking at. It's down the tunnel, down the corner of Old Trafford. New pictures here coming into us as the fans... Well, the fans now look like they're going back down to the pitch, perhaps playing a little cat and mouse with the police officers. As we see a few police officers now turning back, some have gone up, three have gone up, four are coming down the steps. As they try to make this stadium safe for a game of football in just over an hour's time, a game that was never going to be played in front of any fans. This is a protest we knew about, we talked about all week. If you've seen coverage on social media and in the media, these fans had advertised it brazenly that there would be a protest expecting around 10,000 fans outside the stadium. That was until the first breach earlier on this morning, a little over an hour ago, when those fans entered the stadium. As you can see, Greater Manchester Police officers heading towards now a sort of dwindling group of fans who are hanging out there at the back of the stadium alongside a couple of stewards doing their best to maintain some sort of semblance of calm. There is the tunnel. Now up that tunnel to the left, right before you go outside, to the left there's a corridor. Down that corridor on the right, there are two dressing rooms home and away. The home dressing room is first. We are being told that one fan did get into the dressing room. It's incredible to think. Having been there on a match day with fans, I can tell you that the security is incredible at every Premier League game. At Old Trafford, it's exactly the same. How any fan could get down that tunnel and into a dressing room beggars belief. Having said that, because we are now in a pandemic, security may be less. They weren't expecting fans. 
they haven't had fans in over a year. Perhaps the there wasn't quite the security, maybe, that there normally is. So a fan was allowed, we are being told by our colleagues at Sky, to enter the dressing room. Police at the back there seem to be pushing the supporters down to that exit, just halfway down the tunnel. It's raining in Manchester, as you can see. And just to reiterate, this all started earlier this morning when some fans arrived to begin their planned protest, which quickly grew in numbers before the breach of security at Old Trafford that has now happened on two occasions in the last hour as we await the arrival of the two-team buses. Kick-off in an hour and five minutes. The Premier League say, as we see on the right of our screen, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang score for Arsenal. Police are telling us, uh, the Premier League are telling us there's no plans to change the kickoff time as of now. But of course, when a team arrives at a stadium, they have team meetings. They have a warm-up, an extensive warm-up. This all now has to be done in the next hour and five minutes. That's if the team is in the stadium right now. But we have no news and we have no pictures either of where the team buses are. Both Liverpool, who will be staying somewhere else in the city of Manchester and, of course, Manchester United themselves. We did see the black team bus outside the Lowry Hotel a short while ago. The fans now look to be exiting the stadium. The police are escorting them out. The stewards are following them. Any more developments now after these two breaches of security, we will bring them to you. I mean, that's just extraordinary, that coverage. And I, I just see a lot of the, I just hear a lot of excuse making. And, you know, I'll play some other audio as well in a few moments. But it's just really unreal. The excuses being made. Well, oh, they've been frustrated for so long. How come that doesn't even get talked about when it comes to us when we have protests and they're peaceful because some brother or sister has been gunned down by police and we're walking the streets and then the police fire on us and they fire tear gas at us and we're just doing what any other person in the country has a right to do peacefully protest but the police wail on us shoot us in the street and we're the ones being peaceful you kill elijah mclean you kill andrew brown jr you kill brown taylor as she sleeps and this has been going on for 400 years and all of a sudden i'm hearing people going well 16 years of frustration and the fans were right to do what they did today that's what gary neville said gary neville is a former player for manchester united he's well respected he's a pundit now on sky sports in england and it's just despicable and he's fist bumping with some of the fans who've come on who've breached the security so in the stadium that he used to play in as a player old trafford He's now fist bumping these fans who have committed criminal trespass. He's fist bumping them and basically supporting them. From all the audio and the video that I've seen and heard, right? This is what he's doing. I think he is setting a bad example. Granted, a week or two ago, he was spot on about the Super League. It was a monstrosity. It was going to destroy the game of football. I have talked about that here on this podcast but you're going to hear in a few moments from 
Gary Neville, a former football player for Manchester United, who is now making excuses, in my view, for this thuggery that we saw last night, that we saw yesterday. I want you to listen to this. This is from Sky News. Our sports correspondent, Martha Kellner, reports. A sleeping anger has been awoken in English football. Now it's the turn of Manchester United fans. A core of supporters have opposed the American Glazer family since they took over this club 16 years ago. But this is no small minority. Here they are in their thousands. The ill-fated European Super League has started a fire and it's ripping through the game. The Glazers, they're, they're not they're not about the club. They're about money, they're about greed. They're about turning us into a cash cow and that's what we don't, we, we don't want to be that. They don't like the way the club's been run for the last uh, 10 years. Uh, taking a billion pound out of the club, buying a club in debt, leveraging it against the club, uh, treating people like they're commodities, calling fans legacy fans when setting up the Super League. Um, just gone on too long and enough's enough. Every time I go to ground and pay 40 quid, I don't want to give five quid to an American owner who really doesn't care. These protests had been well publicised, but the scale and ferocity surprised police and security at Old Trafford. There are fans who have made their way into the ground and they are now protesting. They've come through the bottom end. The Stretford end is away to my left. They're now heading out onto the pitch to let their feelings be known. This is obviously not what we want to see and the security here at Old Trafford has failed. So Hundreds of fans breaching a cordon around the ground just hours before Manchester United were due to play Liverpool in a pivotal Premier League fixture. One being greeted by perhaps the most influential United fan of them all. I think all football fans should unite today behind what Manchester United fans have done. Because honestly, what they did two weeks ago was really dangerous for English football. We must not forget that. They tried to walk away and create a closed shop league that would have basically created a famine, a famine in this country for every other football club. <laughs> Manchester United fans were did the right thing. They were right to do what they did, and I support that. Or you know they, they they did the right thing, and I'm you know come on, they did not do the right thing. Not the group that broke into the stadium. If you think that, and I don't know, I, mean, I hope he's not saying this, but if Gary Neville is saying that the people who broke in and committed acts of violence and broke the law were doing the right thing, he really needs to get his head examined because that is absolutely irresponsible from him. If he is talking about the protesters who were peaceful, who were outside Old Trafford, talking about the Glazers must go, then yeah, they did the right thing. But the folks outside that stadium who stormed it did not. And quite frankly, I really don't want to make too many distinctions because, again, like I said, about January 6th of this year, you had people who were intent on doing violence. Same thing here. Intent on violence. You running onto a football pitch, kicking a ball, has got nothing to do with the Glazers out, get them out of our club. That is not anything to do with it. You trying to pull down a goalpost at the stadium that you claim to be a fan of 
has got nothing to do with get the Glazers out of my club. That is a hooligan, riotous, violent, white male mob. Predominantly, overwhelmingly white male mob. That's what that is. It ain't about getting the Glazers out. It's about you deputizing yourself and giving yourself permission to be violent. And then saying, I want the Glazers out. And I'm showing that because I'm violent and I'm I'm violent because I'm angry and so forth. And therefore, I get to do this. And then the police say, yeah, go on, go ahead. Commit violent acts. Get a Manchester United player, a legendary player in Gary Neville, fist bumping you. Right on. I'm with you. Really? Really? How irresponsible is that, Gary? And you used to be the manager of a club called Real Sociedad in Spain. And we know how that went. And no wonder you didn't last so long there because your leadership skills and setting an example is absolutely despicable in that moment. You're fist bumping fans. You should be cursing their asses out and telling them to get the fuck out of the stadium. That's what you should be doing. And someone who was more responsible would do that. I know they would do it because I've seen people do stuff like that who are footballers or ex-footballers telling these fans, get the hell out of here. I've seen it. Just ridiculous. It's just, again, it's an excuse for the overwhelmingly white male thugs in that group because it was literally 99% white men and of all different ages. And some of them are in their 60s out there blocking the the hotels where the teams play. What's that got to do with get the Glazers out of my club? When you're blocking the team hotels of Manchester United and Liverpool, so you're blocking the hotels and letting off flares and not letting people in or out? I mean, isn't that a fire hazard? And isn't that criminal? Of course it is. Oh, but, you know, I'm going to fist bump some people in the stadium. After they freaking well trespassed, broken friggin' gate, to get into the goddamn place. I've been to Old Trafford. As I said. A couple. At least two or three times. And it's just incredible. You can't walk around there without security. on. I mean I go to Vicarage Road in Watford. The, the club I support. Watford. And if I'm walking. Peering and looking around. Someone comes up and says. How can I help you? How come that didn't happen. With hundreds and thousands of people. At Old Trafford, bum-rushing the stadium, breaking down doors, breaking down windows, getting into a dressing room, violating COVID protocol. How was that allowed to happen when you knew that this protest was going to happen? How, how, how? Same thing with January 6th of this year out here in the U.S. You knew, you knew that there was going to be trouble at the U.S. Capitol. You knew it. They've been on Facebook and every other blooming platform forever. Three, four weeks talking about it. Trump was talking about it for weeks. And no security, no adequate security response. Delays. The Defense Department wouldn't let the National Guard come. I mean, this is just so evil. Because it's white boys letting off steam. No, they're not letting off steam. They're murdering people. They're killing people. They're violent. 
And we've got to stop it in this country and the UK and anywhere else of allowing these white male thugs to think, let alone act, like they can just commit violence whenever the F they want. And then the police just pat them on the back and let them go. No, that stops here and now. Haven't you had enough yet? Haven't you had enough of this violence and thuggery from white men being passed off as well? They're just letting off steam or they're having a bad day. They shot eight people. They're having a bad day. He had a problem with his sex addiction. So he kills, he off six Asian women, murders them, kills them and kills two other individuals. Oh, but he's just trying to work through his sex addiction. How much responsibility are you not willing to take before you wake the fuck up and get right and actually take responsibility for what you do and stop blaming it on something else, anything else, anybody else, but your violent self. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.